We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 374 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Nate Hilton, and instead of always looking forward and talking about Jules Kunde, I have the pleasure of being joined by the president of the Peña Blagrana Las Vegas, the city that hosted last night's game with Real Madrid. Maybe we can debate whether or not you want to call it El Clasico, but I, I think we're into bigger things and better things after that. But it's no other than Jared Lindsay. How's it going, Jared? Pretty good, Dan. How you doing? I think better because Barcelona won one nothing. So I was actually doing another job too while I was trying to watch the game and focus on at the same time. And when all is said and done, I think I finished and got the YouTube match review, the five headlines, up at like 4.30 in the morning. And then I, I got up early. But again, I probably would have pushed it off this day if they had lost. But a one nothing win. And I said, the content is king. And you got to come out with a victory. Uh, you know, they don't win. That being Barcelona, I've not won a lot of El Clasicos recently. So I had to get that. But you, unlike me, who is sitting here from my, my home office in the studio and the hub, the epicenter, you were at the game. So it felt like on TV, like there was a, maybe it's because they're wearing white, but it felt like a majority Real Madrid crowd. I mean, of course, maybe both sides. Let PK hear it a little bit about the Shakira news. But yeah, what, what was the, I guess, even the percentages, if you had to guess, as far as the, the fan groups and what was the total vibe of the game? I mean, clearly it, it was intense. Like clearly the crowd really brought the heat, I think, more than they were expecting the preseason friendly. Yeah, I, I would I would say to be optimistic, I would say it would be 65-35 Real Madrid, but it was probably closer to maybe 70-30. But it, it, it did feel, it looked like a, a very majority Madrid fan base. But after that Rafinha goal, you heard the Barcelona supporters a lot more. And as the game wore on, the Madrid supporters kind of really, besides booing PK, had nothing to really make noise about. So even though we were we were not great in, in um, attendance, we were definitely making them know that we were there to support our team. Well, yeah, there were moments that right, galvanized the Kool-Aids. It was Araujo blowing past Rudiger. It was that one tackle that Gabi threw in there. It was that Ole by Pedri. Uh, then, unfortunately, loose of the ball, it led to the yellow from Jordi Alba. And then, of course, the lid really popped off uh, at that point. But all right, as far as actually discussing the game itself, I want to let you pick where you want to start. So do you want to start with Rafinha's goal? Do you want to start with Lewandowski's debut? Do you want to start with the De Young conversation, which is probably the hardest of the bunch? But yeah, I mean, I'm going to leave the floor open to you. That, that, that You know, that those are a lot of great topics. Um, I, I think just thinking back on the game, the, the thing that really stood out to me 
especially in the first half, is just Araujo, he continues to impress. I mean, you, mm. when you look at him, you, you you think of him as a traditional center back, but what he did on, on the end, playing as playing as a right back, it's just it was very impressive. And like you said, how he pushed the ball past um Rudiger, didn't see that one coming, didn't know that he had that kind of I mean, I knew he had that speed, but to get around him with the strength and too, he's he's a strong, strong person. It's just like you're like, wow, what can he what can he do? And like he he was his passes was was better. Um, so that that really stood out to me. Another thing that really stood out was especially going from Inter Miami to uh, Real Madrid. I, I'm I'm also I, I like the what I'm seeing from Eric Garcia so far. Eric Garcia seems like he is definitely uh, progressing. I, I know last year I was a little bit nervous about Eric Garcia, but I'm, I'm starting to gain confidence in Eric Garcia. So that was that was really definitely um, great to see. And then just yeah, uh, De Jong as a center back, I, I like it. I just it it's it's it feels a bit like maybe I, I don't know it's it's just, it's it's just it's really weird it's really weird but I I do like to see it and he he has the skills for it as well so yeah a lot of it was just great to watch well yeah let's do it one by one first I'll start with Eric Garcia as those who listen to the pod regularly know this is an Eric Garcia safe space and one of the things that I said yesterday on on the video is something that I I honestly believe since the beginning that Eric Garcia Kunde or not is going to be on the field more than you think he is because. As far as a right-footed center back playing as a left-footed center back, looking at even with Kunde and Araujo, I don't know about Dest right now or if where Xavi is thinking about converting to a 3-4-3, how far along he is in that process or that, that thought process. But because Kunde and Araujo can both play as a right-back situation, I could even see Araujo play the majority of his game in center back because I think that becomes the argument, right? That we saw in El Clasico last year, Araujo played as the right-back because of Vinny Jr. speed. And Araujo did pretty well with Vinny Jr. And there in two, Barcelona won for nothing. And on the other side, Rudiger did a very similar thing with Rafinha. And I think that was actually a bigger, having talked to Real Madrid people this afternoon, I think that was a bigger surprise to them to see him at left back because you were expecting the Alaba to move out wide. And Jaladi's words kind of said otherwise, said, no, that's actually a last resort to have Alaba there, which is an interesting point about Real Madrid. Maybe they're playing some 3D chess that we don't know about as Barcelona fans. But as far as Araujo goes, yeah, as a right back, he's going to be expected to try to get forward, try to uh, be the person that exploits the space that the other team is giving them. But for me, Real Madrid, and not to give, let them off the hook at all, they very much like Lewandowski looked like they were playing in their very first game of the season. And they were. There was definitely a preseason thing. I, am, I have to almost compliment our eternal rivals and say that they did bring the intensity. They brought some fight. They brought some fire for a very first preseason game, sure. But again, I would expect Araujo to make the majority of his starts at center back. And then for Eric Garcia, because he's playing in that left center back position, it's just so important for that diagonal ball, whether it's Rafinha on the right wing or it's Dembele on the right wing. I, I think, you know, I, I said in the, uh, we're going to transition into Lewandowski in a second, but, you know, I said one of the things Lewandowski provides to Barcelona now clearly is a balance across that front three and across that attack, where last year we saw a lot of numerical overloads on Sue when he was healthy and, and Jordi Alba, even when Gabi had to play at left wing an experiment that I'm glad we're never going to see again, even when it was Gabi on the left wing, they would try to have that numerical overload on that left side and, and then hope that Dembele get him on an Island, switch the ball over and see what he can do. And I think this season you're going to see a bit more balance because Lewandowski isn't Memphis, Aubameyang, or Ansu, which means he likes to pick the ball up on the left side and then come into the middle, as opposed to Lewandowski, who's just going to be in the middle, 
He's going to hold up play when he needs to. He's going to try to run in those half spaces over and over again. Uh, he also has the ability to get just by the first defender and then see what's going to happen from there. And he also has an ability to take a long shot. So just, again, one of the best strikers in the world is Lewandowski. And adding, and adding that balance, and with that balance, means that that diagonal ball from Eric Garcia to that right wing can be even more menacing because it's not like you have that numerical advantage on the left wing where the other team is preparing for that counter. Instead, you can kind of, we saw yesterday, he had one misplayed long diagonal, but that was clearly still part of the game plan to have Eric Garcia get on the ball and to fling that thing to Rafinha on the other side, uh, Rudiger or not. And I must say, even though Rudiger is not a national left back, you know, he did a great job against Rafinha for the first 25 minutes. And I said the same thing again, the positive flip for Real Madrid fans is you don't have to play Barcelona every game. And same thing can be said for Barcelona. They won't have to play this Real Madrid team and those talented, talented players. And a lot of the things that we saw I extrapolate that over the 90 minutes against, we'll say, an inferior opponent. If Barcelona are able to play their game and don't play down to opponents, because, again, we've seen that over the last few seasons when they're limping to, against Levante, right, and they need to be saved by Luke de Young. If they're able to play their game with their intensity, with their game plan, they're going to be hard to stop this season much more than what we saw last year. And that's why I think my biggest takeaway is that so far this preseason into Miami be darned, this is a team that just looks ready to compete. Agreed. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, it, it, and and the, the thing that I also like to see is, like you, you you mentioned so many different aspects of it, is we have the depth to where we can address, adjust to whatever situation we need to, and, and we can really game plan and, and throw different things at opponents that, okay, if you're going to come this way, we're going to come back this way, and I want to see you stop this now. So it, it's it's going to be fun to watch to see how Chavi's going to definitely set up his tactics and, and see what lineups he's going to choose game the game and, and how he's going to attack different defenses. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to watch it. Well, give me the four one one in the stadium when Rafinha put his left foot through that, through that ball. It was um, at, at first it, it was silent because it, it, at least where I was, it was, it was kind of hard to, to see it. But then once you saw the net shake, the, the, the stadium erupted, it just, it was, it was crazy. And then we had to get up, you know, we have to look at the, uh, the monitor again, just to catch the replay and the way the ball bent and, and just the, the, the shot, it, it was great. And but the, the part that I liked the most um, about it wasn't even the, the shot itself. It was the pressing uh, to get them to turn the ball over to create that shot. So, but yeah, the, the the stadium just erupted. Real Madrid fans. That's when they just started to sit back down in their seat, and it it, it was it was all cool ace after that. We just had our fun in the stands. Yeah, as far as that press goes, you know, I, I think. While I didn't see much about Gabi at all from the game, other than when the melee started, of course, 17-year-old Gabi's going to get in there and get, get his nose a little bloodied. But I think Pedri wasn't really spoken about, other than there was actually that, uh, it was a good transition that Barcelona had right up to the middle. They were knifing through that defense, and then the ball stopped on Pedri's foot. And usually he's going to play that through ball, but the, we'll say the triangle, if you will, of the left interior Pedri and Lewandowski and Ansu, the timing wasn't there yet. Like Ansu still looked like 75% to me, and Pedri you know, kind of looked like preseason form and Lewandowski just wasn't combining with his teammates. The timing wasn't there yet. And that has me, A, supremely optimistic if those three cannot be on the field together, of course, uh, in that position. But while Pedri offensively didn't look like he was in the rhythm he was when he, I mean, really helped Barcelona get from 10th to, to second last season when he came back healthy, but his defensive acumen was there from the first minute. I mean, clearly Pedri knows how to play in Xavi's system. I mean, Pedri is the ideal midfielder for what Xavi's trying to do as far as having that left interior press high to the goalkeeper and then have the striker or whoever the center forward is cut down that passing lane out wide 
cut that off, force a long ball diagonal. And then, yeah, just tell, especially when Araujo is playing as one of the outside backs, hey, Araujo, just win that 50-50 ball in the air when they, they try to force a long diagonal and Barcelona are right back to it. And they did that over and over and over and over again and recycled it. And then they finally got what they really deserved in that goal because Pedri put the pressure on, onto Alba, Busquets, and Gavi also shifting over to that left side. Again, that, those numerical advantages because Barcelona, you can see even the way that they're they're built now with, again, either Dembele or Rafinha. And yeah, it changed in the second half because I think the Rafinha on the left side I'm going to say it's an experiment at this point. You know, we clearly know that Xavi, I think, wants to rotate Dembele and Rafinha on the right. But that said, you know, in the first half, we saw with Ansu on the left side, we still saw that they were trying to overload on the left and not even switch over to the right, but work those small ball, those small passes through the left side. And again, Ansu just, it didn't look crisp to me. It didn't, I, I think he has better close control and uh, better close passing than what we saw yesterday. Um, but yeah, but by and large, then that the press, as you mentioned, they attack Militao, He's known to make an occasional mistake. Like he's a quality center back, but he's known to make an occasional mistake. Goes right to Rafinha at the spot. And, uh, you know, this is a guy I talked to the Leeds United experts and he had, they told me that Rafinha, it's his left foot. His left foot is special. His right foot's good enough, but his left foot is the one that's special and he can, he can smash the top corner. And like he did, and it's an optimist, it's an opportunistic goal. Sure. But it was the only one they needed. And I think after that, you know, I think one of the things that, We'll get to Lewandowski in a second, but I want to kind of continue on the back line here, Jared, that I was really optimistic that this back line so far this season, I mean, the Ola thing was a little bit different because it was Mika Marmol, who's already with Barcelona Athletic again. So the first choice center backs have, it's their 7-0 right now as far as goals uh, scored to goals conceded. And it's a positive thing against Real Madrid, regardless of whether or not they had Queen Benzema. It's like the argument I made again, like Eric Garcia got undressed like six times last year. And four of those times were to Lewandowski, Benzema, and trying to remember the other one, but, and then uh, somebody for one of the, we'll say lesser teams in, in the Liga, but you know, Eric Garcia wasn't often like totally whipped out of his boots too often last season. It was getting, it was the best of the best to do that, which is also what Kool-Aid are expecting that, Hey, if you can't hang with the best of the best, then we don't really want you. We want somebody who's going to be able to contribute whenever we need to, right? In case there are other injuries or or what have you. But yeah, I was really happy with Eric Garcia. And then Christensen. What about Anders Christensen? I felt like, once again, his his debut, I, I mean, he was the last one I mentioned too, that it kind of went under the radar, but he just, for me, he seems safe. And as a center back, like, I think that's a good thing. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, 
that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I was I was watching Christensen as well. I didn't really know what to expect signing him, but you, you, the perfect word is yeah, he's safe. He he he's very even kill. Doesn't really uh, seem too too nervous. Doesn't really forward under pressure. He knows where to move when there is pressure. Get the ball from Ter Stegen and find the right pass out. And he's also you know a very good defender as well. So I I, I, I like that that signing. I think he's going to like I said add add depth. And then with the other signings that we're going to do in the um in this transfer window. I, I think that we have um, a very underrated defensive, if, if I do say, that can really give us a lot of clean sheets and, and really close out games, something that we had trouble with last season. Well, let's say that Kunde is arriving. Like, let, let's do the hypothetical because it's been reported an hour ago, and I think most people are just saying Kunde is definitely arriving on Monday or for tomorrow or Tuesday for 55 million plus variables or not exactly sure what it is, but it seems like he wants to come. And so far, all the players who wanted to come have arrived in, at the camp. No. But if you had to set aside or set up a, we'll say, if we're going to play, a, say, a 4 3 3. We're going to play it safe here. Say, Xavi is not looking to do that 3 4 3 because I think that complicates it quite a bit. But if it is a 4 3 3, and I mean, it's cheating because you get to use Kunde or Araujo as the right back if you so choose. So you can throw in those rotations. But give me your center back depth chart. Your, your left foot center back, your right foot center back. Give me that depth chart from from top to bottom here. Because again, PK also came on in the second half. And for all the things that he's saying, you know, he's not done yet. He's not retiring. He's not hanging up. Yes, he has a lot of deferred payments. Yes, his personal life has gone through it in the last few months. But he's still Gerard PK. Not to say the, the Barca legend, but he still clearly has a lot left in the tank. Having not played, I want to remind you, international football in quite some years. And I think that has actually extended his career a bit. 
If, if, if I had to, my, my, my top two, if, if I had to start them, surprisingly, it, it would be Araujo on the right. And then I would, I would go with, if with, I would go at a healthy PK on the left. Hmm. And then the, the second one, I, I would, I would go with Kunde on the right. And then Eric Garcia on the left. I, I really do like, like I said, but from what I've seen so far, I really, I'm, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm very happy and, and excited to see more of, of Eric Garcia, especially the, the passing. His passing is, I know that that's what they were, they were, they were touting when they signed him. And I'm, I'm seeing it now. And I'm like, I, I can't wait to see more of, of Eric Garcia. And then just rotating Christensen in where, where you can, um, either between like Garcia or, or PK, you know, just for, for rest or injury purposes. Yeah, which is interesting because, yeah, Christensen comes in on a free transfer. You wonder what exactly he was told his role was going to be. And you wonder how far along that conversation about Kunde was going to be. And the one guy you didn't name, and now we have to do, unfortunately, that part about Frankie de Young, is that because you didn't name Frankie de Young, you know, you'd have to think that if Kunde is arriving, that even if you wanted Frankie de Young's days to be numbered, again, it's still a financial move. At the end of the day, it's still a financial move, even if there is sporting merit to it, because that's what we keep agreeing that, I mean, if you're de Young and you're saying, I mean, I watched the tape, Gabi, Kessier, Pedri. I don't think so, right? It's not the young spot. He's fourth on that depth chart and behind those three. And then, I mean, you have Sergio Roberto just to do that job, to just wander around the field. Or you have all these young players that we're seeing as well, these other midfielders like a Pablo Torre that give Pablo Torre those few extra 10 minutes instead of having to, to jam a, a square hole into a, 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 or a, a square peg in a round hole. There we go. For the young at center back, this is a, this is an interesting one because I have for a long time, Jared, on this show and beyond, said that I think he would do his best as a in a three back line at Barcelona as a center back and be anticipating, be taking up space with his dribbling and keeping that defensive solidity with two center backs behind him and, and basically turning into a diamond in the midfield. And I think that or not even a diamond; it's a double pivot. Which again, if if you look at what Xavi was trying to do in possession. Because regardless, in possession, it's still a 3-4-3 because they're still getting those, those wings high anyway, or a midfielder shuffles out and they still try to use the width of the field. Uh, so setting up the, in that 3-4-3, Dembele as a libero, I mean, you're really calling it what, like a 2-4-2-2 two, two, two or whatever, you know what I mean, whatever, uh, especially with Ansu and, and Lewandowski up top in, in the box. Like that's really what you're looking at. You're looking at, yeah, almost a, there it is. It's a 2-4-2-2 two, 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 or a 2 two four two right you know what i mean with the with technically a double pivot if you will of busquets and young but it's not because it's, it's a functional double pivot because de young is only taking up that space and taking those positions when that space is available and he's able to dribble out of pressure and i, I think as I, again if i've said for a long time like that maximizes his skills in the same way that eric garcia as a right center back even though he's right-footed playing him on the left and allowing him to be the the one to use his elite ball playing because i think he's even surpassed pk already as the best passer on that back line. And he's able to use that elite skill better on the left side than the right. And that's what function comes down to. So I think if De Young is going to stick around, I think he's just too good of a player to not get any minutes at all. And it's going to be about function. I think it's going to be a problem that Xavi's going to have on his hands. And I mean, if De Young stays around, again, I think he's going to get minutes. I don't think they're just going to put him in the stands. It wouldn't make sense because Xavi, just like with Dembele in the spring, we didn't know if he was going to come back. Xavi wants to win games. And if you're in his squad, He's not going to, especially for De Young, De Young's going to get a number, as in his number. So it's not like he's going to lose his number to somebody else that they haven't registered yet, but will they be able to register others? So like we might, again, this might be a completely, not impossible, but it might be an unnecessary conversation because 
Kunde might only be able to be registered if De Young leaves. So right, we might even be having this conversation for any for any fruitful purpose. But the one guy I would say is definitely going to be on the outs if De Young definitely were to stay is Sergio Des, and he may not be he may be on the outs anyway, which is unfortunate because I mean you saw it live. Des just, I mean, let's put it this way: Alba did not have a great game, but we know what Jordi Alba is, and I'm going to throw that away. But I would say that Alex Balde, who was having another one of his auditions as a young player, right? I thought Dest was closer to Balde than he was to Araujo. And that can't be the case. And I know Araujo and Dest are almost the opposite types of player, right? The thing that Dest does well in Araujo, which is it's not the same apples to oranges, but you understand my point that the function of those wingbacks that Balde and Dest, it was almost indiscernible as far as a which of these two is having the better game or has been more successful. And Araujo was clearly... When Desk came on, it was a downgrade of that position. So definitely worrying signs for me on Team Desk because, again, I, I could stand up for Eric Garcia, but Desk is a little bit harder, especially yesterday, struggling with Real Madrid in a worse way than he did in the October when he arrived and got thrown right in by Ronald Koeman to Del Clasico. So um, going back to the De Young thing, in the second half, you could kind of see where, like you are saying, it was it was more of a 2-2-4-2 um, a or a 2-4-2-2 where De Jong was playing in like that central center back role, but he would step up and him and Nico would kind of be like not standing together on the same line, but Nico would be moving up a little bit and De Jong would be like right behind him, still right between where he would play his pivot and also be at the, be, be the, be, be the uh, middle center back. And so I, I, I thought he did great. There was one time where there was pressure and he did, he did the De Jong run where he, he passed by everybody on the pressure and got the ball to the right person. And I was like, that, that's, like you said, that's exactly what he he would be best for. And then moving into Dest, after we went up one nil, I'm not gonna lie, my 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 anxiety kind of dropped. I knew that we kind of had the game because everybody, I'm not say everybody, but a lot of people know that without Benzema in the game, Real Madrid really doesn't have much of an attack. Um, so I, I knew that they wasn't really gonna pose pose, pose much of a, a threat. But when they brought when they took out Araujo and brought in Dest, my anxiety kind of raised a little bit because. Is, yeah, I, I just I, I want him to succeed so much, but like you said, he's he's closer to a Balde than he is to than he is to to out and, and yeah, that's just that's that's very disappointing. Well, it's also about value. He has resale value still, and true. And most clubs around, especially the top clubs, are looking for a cheap, well, relatively cheap young center. Uh, sorry, outside back that they might be able to to hit on. I mean, even looking at the career of Jao Cancelo, like it, it took him a while to in Valencia he had hot and cold moments and then it was what his second year at City when he was 27-ish right I think he's 29 now or whatever it is or 30 and so it took him till about 27 to say oh you know that's a fullback in that elite category even though he had played for Valencia and you know and even his first year at Man City not really knowing where he fit and now he could play on both sides and Des can do the same thing right that's the argument about Des too like it's the same function about Sergio Roberto where you know, for the number now that Sergio Roberto makes and the concessions he made with his contract for the club, and he's hanging out as a fourth captain, like, you know, whether you're upset about his blonde hair, that might be the only thing you can be upset about Sergio, about, uh, Sergio Roberto, because it seems like he's fully accepted his role, that he is guy number 22, 23, 24, 25 on, on the squad list. I mean, that's his role now this season. He can be a backup right back when necessary. But again, if Kunde comes in, I mean, Des is probably only going to play right back under Xavi, not going to play on the wing, obviously, at all, because he's competing with Demolay and Rafinha on the right side. So that's nuts. And then his backup position really should be that backup left back spot. If Balde isn't a better option there, and maybe he is, especially if he sticks around to play Barca Athletic, 
though I think that's going to be a conversation that we're going to keep having this summer because Jorge Mendez is Valde's agent. So not so sure about that. But before we get to Lewandowski here, I do want to ask you about Nico. I feel like in Xavi's system, Jared, that I know what the function of the players are and we understand what the function of the players are. And each game, I'm other than unlike the days of Valverde or even Kike Setien, when I'm like, who was supposed to do what? Who did well? Who didn't do well based on whatever? But because Xavi's game plan is usually set forth from the, the starting 11 and, it, and it's supposed to make a lot of sense, we understand that Nico's function right now in the preseason is different than last season. The guy who struggled for, I think, both fitness, I think he had a long term injury in the spring, especially, but for a guy that struggled with his fitness last year or struggled with consistency as young players do, Nico is playing a different position, a position that before these three friendly games, he only played a total of, I believe, six or seven times for Barcelona B when it was when it was Barcelona B, that being now two years ago. So he did not play the pivot very often. He's usually been a box-to-box midfielder or in the academy, he was an attacking midfielder. So for him to, to try to turn the pivot into his own, I'm overreacting a little bit. I'm not saying there's no comparisons or anything. I'm not saying anything about Busquets. What I am saying is that Busquets, who plays, is probably going to play 45 games this year if he doesn't get hurt, maybe even minimum 45 games. To have Nico available for that rotation in the 60th minute when Busquets starts to get a little bit winded, for the occasional Copa del Rey, for the uh, you know away match to, no offense, but I look at Girona's team right now, and other than NYCFC's Tati Cassianos is on the way, and Arnaud Martinez is a good young right back. That squad, that being Girona's, is not a very deep squad, not a very good squad. So yeah, away to the on the road to Girona, especially Nico, who he's not from Catalonia, but he's been in Catalonia since he was 10 years old. Give him a run out there. So am I overreacting to Nico? I'm, again, I'm not saying that he deserves a starter with Busquets. That's crazy. I'm not even saying he's ready to take over when Busquets' contract is up next season. But I am saying that everything that I've been seeing from him so far in these three friendlies indicates that he is the backup pivot to Busquets and is going to do just a fine job at that spot this year. I, I'm, no, I'm, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. From what, what I've seen so far in, in, in the, uh, in the, in the friendlies in the preseason, he's done great. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel comfortable not this season, but yeah, moving forward into next season, him learning under, under Busquets and then taking over that role. I, I think he will be a, a perfect replacement. I know we, um, we didn't get an open training here in Vegas, but we were able to watch him come off the bus and uh, the first person off the bus was was Nico, and somebody leaned over and said, "Who is that? That guy is 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 he's big." I was Dude, like, yeah. I, "I was like, that's Nico." And I was like, "Yeah, he he has the 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 the, the body build to 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 be the pivot where he can really handle the pressure, shrug it off, and 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 move it and, and and find the right pass to get the ball up the field." I I think we are in great hands moving forward after Busquets, definitely. Well, speaking of big bodies that can, that can cause a little damage, we saw what Kessier did to Ansu Fati in training the other day. Just like he was like he was not standing there at all. Just, just blew on him and, and Fati crumbled, of course, worried everybody. But as far as Kessier goes, he has been to me so far, not only what the Milan fans advertised to me, again, but it was basically just convincing Kool-Aid's that he's not a double pivot, that he's not a defensive midfielder. Just understand that he is a right interior that's, basically going to play between the lines, right? Box to box. And he's going to be physical, but he can also play a one touch and he's going to get forward consistently. And he's going to miss and he's going to miss goal. Like those are basically the four things I were promised. And I mean, you saw yesterday in the second half, 
he just, he hit all those boxes. <laughs> he said, okay, this is who I am. So let me, even the myth, like, let me make sure I check that off my box too. So yeah. How are you feeling about Kessier so far? I mean, I, I guess we already said it, but it seems like De Young's looking around saying, Hey, I was 75 million euros. And yet I lost my spot to a free transfer. And I think that's for good reason. I'm, 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 I'm excited. Um, I've, I've heard great things about Kessier. I watched a couple of matches with him and I, I thought that, it was going to take him some time to, to adjust, really. I'm not going to lie. Um, but he's hit the ground running for sure. Just watching in the stands, I, I for a, a brief moment, I was just focused on him only. And he he has the the intelligence to know where to go, how to pass, and then also to move after the pass and kind of just keep the flow going. And and I he has that physicality that, that we've been lacking in our midfield as well. So it, it's 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 a breath of fresh air, really. I I'm I I Chavi has a lot on his hands to really figure out who's going to play and when and, and how much, because we have a very talented midfield and, and they're very, what's what I'm looking for here. They're, they, they're, 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 they're very different. Each of them, they're very unique, have their own different styles. And so it's really going to be fun to watch him pick and choose and, and, and see who plays where. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm lost for words at, at how fast he's adjusted to the, to, to the Barcelona system really. Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me the most is that, again, while I think African midfielders, especially interiors, they tend to have this reputation of roaming and not having the positional sense. And, and why I think some of that is contrived and, and just kind of just flat out made up. But he, from minute one, knew where to be on the field. And I talk a lot about a boring concept of rest defense, right? And I've said before in the past that Ricky Pooj is the worst rest defender I've ever seen, uh, maybe on a first team match, just because, you know, for all the things a guy could do, he just wasn't, he was never in the right spot the minute the ball was turned over, the moment the ball's turned over. While Sergio Busquets, you know, is arguably the greatest of all time at that really boring, weird concept, right? To be in the position in preparation of the turnover. And I think Kessier, that's where he not only has impressed me so far, but there's also room to grow, especially alongside a, Kess, a Nico. Like those two have matched up together a few times. And I'm wondering with the experimentation of the minutes, how that's going to play out. But that Kessier-Nico time together, even against Olat, is, is proving to be, to, to, work, to be working out in terms of both those players. Where Nico is getting to the spots he needs to be in rest defense to cut out those counterattacks. And then Kessier as well. I mean, I think he feels like he's like a half step off to it, but you could tell that his by his body positioning, by his understanding of where he's setting up, um, especially with Pablo Torre, who is much more of, with all the other interiors, he is the attacking midfielder, right? And you have to say attacking before you say anything else, right? But I don't think he is like a Coutinho where you're like, oh, that guy's so attacking and so fraught defensively we had to put on the wing. No, he's just an attacking midfielder interior. So Kessier adjusted against Ola, his positioning to Torre. That said, again, it was also a fifth division side or a fourth division side in Ola. So it's not like they were reinventing the wheel in the midfield against them. But again, I, I thought that midfield tour really impressed me against Ola. And I think we're likely, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm going to the Red Bull game on Saturday. So we'll see if they do that there or against Juventus on Tuesday. So now just working through some of the other parts of the match, again, the ref, I think it got away from a little bit and I was having a little bit of fun thinking about, you know, so Madrid fans obviously call Barcelona, Barcelona, you know, because they get all the success from VAR. And then obviously Madrid is the other side of that, especially in the Champions League. But all I know is that Barcelona on the front foot should have been a handball on Odiozola in the box on that ball they cross. Probably a red for Casemiro on Memphis. I don't know if you guys could see that on the big screen, but I mean, Casemiro just punched him in the head and <laughs> after the play and nothing happened to him. And Ceballos, 
probably definitely a yellow for the a little bit of extra shove on Nico on the ground. On again, the the one mistake Nico made when he gave the ball away and then tackle. I mean, a great tackle, just tremendous tackle to get the ball back to not also commit that foul. But the guy I have to say that I think is that Kule should be worried about for Madrid is Thibaut Courtois because he was the best player for Real Madrid in the match. He was their best player last year. And he's arguably the reason why they won Champions League and the Liga. And he seems like he's just as good as ever. Yeah, um, I, I, I I hate to give any credit to any player in Real Madrid, but um, yeah, Courtois is, um, he's great. He's great. He he allows them to, um, he he erases mistakes pretty much. Any 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 sort of um, mistake, except for the Rafinha goal, like like typically like when when Militao would give the ball away or do something silly and that such, you can kind of almost expect that Courtois would 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 erase it, and and so he's yeah he's he's a really good goalkeeper, and that's the best that I'll, I'll say about him. Uh, just not to uh, right. give them any too much credit, but I mean him and 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 you you can really see it yesterday. Just without Benzema, they didn't really know what to do. They they would they would really just search for Vinicius and just hope that he would find something and somebody can get a tap in from one of his crosses or anything. But the, the handball, we even saw that in the stands and I, I don't know how they didn't call that. I, I don't know if they kind of just like were letting him play because it was a friendly, but I, I, it, it really could have been a different game if, if they were letting, if they were, if they were going to call some of the, the calls that should have been called for real. Yeah. Wasn't that the great part of it though, that usually with these friendlies, you're bringing all these subs and then the intensity goes down and all the water's down, but these subs were Casemiro and Gerard Piquet. <laughs> and so you had just the perfect storm of the subs that both teams put in with the guys that are known to instigate them and instigating for half a decade or, or a decade. Um, yeah, definitely having PK come in in the second half with uh, Casemiro, Madre, Kroos. It, it really, you know, it, it, it did bring some energy when you you kind of didn't know what to expect in the second half, you didn't know if it was going to turn more to a friendly match and, and have them just kind of just play the motion. But it the intensity cranked up another level, which was very unexpected. And it was it gave us in the stands something to watch and then really get going for, uh, to make sure that we can have something going forward for the rest of the match, for real. Yeah, when that second half, too, I just felt like both clubs had to, I, and Barcelona fans here, especially on the show, were looking in the mirror all the time and saying, We've got another year to look at Jordi Alba and maybe we'll say about PK, but definitely Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba. They are essential two of arguably the most important players on the squad because there are no replacements. I mean, Nico, again, is making an argument. Balde is, we'll see about that argument or Dest or whoever a potential backup for Alba is, but clearly there is a drop-off, even if Alba didn't play well yesterday or whatever, you know, he didn't really show up. But regardless of that fact, we have do it on the other side, you know, they're, midfield of Kamavinga, Chuamani, and Valverde did a lot of good things. I mean, they were closer to scoring than the midfield for the second half, where Valverde hit the crossbar, credit to him. And then I thought Kamavinga was finding the game. Just He just looked dynamic, was getting where he wanted to on the field. And then Chuamani just like, like he'd only played with the team for like a week and a half, and he was still trying to find his feet. Sure. But it was the old guard, the vets in Cruz, in Modric, in Casemiro, that really drove Madrid forward in the second half. They were the group that broke through that Barcelona press. And yes, I think the, we'll say downgrades in Barcelona's press-resistant players, I think certainly did help Madrid as well. But as I said, I think for Madrid's midfield, best version of their midfield, it's their old guard who worked so well together. And it's, it's interesting, these two eternal rivals always looking in the mirror at each other, or not saying the mirror, but yeah, looking right at each other and saying, hey, do you have this problem? Oh, I have the same problem. <laughs> That's why they're both whispering superly each other, probably in the, up in those uh, 
up in the skybox or whatever up there. You, I bet there was Super League talk going on. So speaking of players in their 30s and an old guard, though, Barcelona obviously added 33-year-old, soon-to-be 34-year-old Robert Lewandowski. So he's made a few debuts in his career. But what do you think of his Barcelona debut? It, it shows great promise, definitely. Just the, the, the positioning, the, the runs he was making, the passing – the, the, the willingness to shoot. I, I think that's something that we 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 miss when Lionel Messi left us. We we miss somebody who was willing to just take the shot. And you can see he was always when the ball fell to his feet, he was looking to take a shot. And so I, I think he's gonna when he's not going against some great goalkeepers like Courtois, he's gonna score goals. And I'm I'm very excited to see that. And and he's also gonna create goals for other people because his first touch that he had, I think four people collapsed on him. And if he could have found his way out of that, there was definitely space to make a pass and, and potentially get a goal from that. So I, I think he he may be 33 in age, but he still moves like he's 27, 28. Well, they had that box around him that it was Schumann and Kamavinga playing that double pivot and then behind Militao and Alaba. And Alaba was trying to stay in Lewandowski's pocket. And I mean, Alaba I mean, knows him better almost than anybody. And so he was handing him off rather well, but still the gravity of, of Lewandowski. And again, that's another thing where even if he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, which he's going to do at an in, in insane rate, still the space that is opened up. And I, I think even yesterday, the guy who was given space was Gabi. And so what Barcelona was doing, if it wasn't a long ball diagonal from Eric Garcia, they would shuttle it up to Gabi. Then Gabi would have a little bit of room to run. Then he would give it over to Rafinha. And it was a 1v1 against Rudiger. And then as we saw the first half go along, they did that being Barcelona. They tried to shake that up just a bit where they switched Lewandowski out wide when the, the play dictated it with, with Ansu and brought him in the middle. And we're going to see more combinations with Lewandowski and Aubameyang. Remember, worked together pretty efficiently at Dortmund in the past as well. So I am interested to see how Lewandowski continues to adjust to the team because uh, obviously we already saw some crazy far cries like, oh, this guy scored with his head. It's never going to work with Barcelona, but <laughs> he's just a class player and it's going to work out. But no matter what he does, just by being Lewandowski, just by existing, it's the same thing with Benzema, just by being who they are. Everybody knows, the other team knows that he scored 50 goals last year. Everybody knows that. So the gravity that he provides, no offense to Martin Brothwaite or even Luke Young. Like Luke Young, by being 90 feet tall last year, just had a gravity to him in the box that was helpful and allowed Barcelona to get these late goals. And that's why he's saved so many points. And, and Luke Young is, one, again, arguably one of the major reasons why Barcelona finished second last season. And one of the major reasons that Barcelona could finish first this season is the fact that Lewandowski just creates so much space for everyone else just by existing, just by having his last name, just by scoring 50 goals in the past. Like These things matter. It's the same thing with Messi, where by the time Messi's final season was up, you know, because of the European night failures and having just, I think, burnout of knowing Lewandowski, I mean, knowing Messi for so long, I feel like opponents like the Cadiz of the world, they had Dafe and Granada, they just weren't as afraid of Messi as they used to be. There was this fear and this, and fear means space, meaning I'm going to respect you more than I probably should. And we even saw against Real Madrid yesterday that, especially when it was Militao, when Alaba got sent over when they would when they would put out a numerical variance on the right side and Araujo would get forward, Rafinha would tuck in, which forced Alaba to pass off Lewandowski to Militao. And Militao just was giving Lewandowski too much space. And you could argue that part of that space is why when Militao made his error on the goal, he wasn't exactly sure where Lewandowski was. So, I mean, he was like lunging at that pass because there was Lewandowski right behind him, just, you know, popping up like a, like a mole wheat. And there he is. And then obviously it's Rafinha who, who gets the, uh, the, the dividends with the goal. But so yeah, Lewandowski yesterday 
it was good at times. It, it just looked not sharp, but it, it all and all those little pieces to me that said, I mean, there's a reason he cost 50 million. Like Lewandowski is going to do great things, great things at the club. The only thing that's going to be a problem with Lewandowski is the finances, like where the books will be in five years or 10 years, where the TV rights are going to be or the money that's going to be required from Goldman Sachs or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? All those financial stuff. And who's the player that Barca can't sign? Who's currently 16 years old will be 22 and whatever. You know what I mean? Like who's the player that Barca can't sign in 2028 because they went out and got Lewandowski right now? Because I think that's the only con I can find about Lewandowski signing for Barcelona. Yeah, I'm, I know you, you touched on this earlier. Um, like I said, it was his first preseason game, so there was definitely some um, some some signs of rustiness. But you could definitely see the the potential with him and Ansu connecting. I mean, he's still coming back from injury as well. But there there was a couple of times where they were just one or two passes away from putting another one in in, in the goal. And so if 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 they can start getting that continuity together and and and, and figure out where each other is going to be and where they like the ball and and all of that. It's it's going to be a lot of fun for us this season and very scary for defenses going forward in, in La Liga. Well, I'm glad, Derek, that you had to have all that fun uh, in Las Vegas. And I would be more jealous, but again, I'm going to be seeing them in less than a week as well. So uh, they are coming here to, we'll say, the New York area. So to Harrison, New Jersey, to play against the Red Bulls. So it's not El Clasico. Well, again, I'm not sure if we want to call it El Clasico. Can the preseason be El Clasico? But I think the question I asked for the headlines for you, Jared, was, can the biggest game in Spain be the game, biggest game in Spain if it's played in Las Vegas? <sighs> There's something about like playing it in Spain that's like almost required to be El Clasico, but you get the point. You know what? I I, I would say no, it, it cannot be the biggest game in Spain. But for us here in Las Vegas, that this game meant a lot. This, this, this was a, a huge game to us. People were talking about it ever since it was announced. And I know everywhere that I went, I was wearing my Barcelona jerseys and shirts and people were like aren't, aren't they coming and so the, the the buzz was there so mm. no it cannot be the biggest game in spain but for us here in, in this 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 desert town this was definitely the biggest game to us yes yeah unfortunately in new york you need a lot more to happen it's really got to be a big event to get people's attention here but yeah you kind of pitching already where can people find the the penya i mean i know that vegas it's not one of the oldest penyas but it's certainly one that has popped up and really done a lot of great things recently Yes, uh, if, if people are interested in, in coming in and watching a game with us, um, we watch our matches at Parkway Tavern, which is on Flamingo and Decatur, uh, not too far from the Palms from where the team was staying. Uh, so we definitely had some people go over there and, and try to sneak a peek at the team. But yeah, well, we are, it's, it's 4930 West Flamingo Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89103 is the zip. Well, you can also, in the show notes below, we'll have a link to the, the Pena Twitter page and follow that through to all the different links to also make sure you can put that in your Google machine uh, on your phone and, and make sure you're, you're there hanging out. So we do have some listeners from Las Vegas. So we hope you can uh, find some new faces at the Pena. But Jared, thanks so much for joining the show. Again, you can follow along also with your local Pena. It's not just the, the Pena blog run at Las Vegas. We got Pena's all over the United States, but also all over Europe as well, where a lot of our listeners may be. In India, we have them. In Nigeria, there are Pena's. There are Pena's Maybe not nearby you, but in close proximity where you can see one game a year, two games a year with a pretty good group of Kool-Aid. And that is the case all around the globe for FC Barcelona. So that'll wrap up another show. Twitter and Instagram for us at the Barcelona pod. By the way, we did hit 10,000K on Twitter. Finally, it took, I don't tweet. So <laughs> for us to get there is I'm pretty proud of us. So on Instagram at the Barcelona pod as well, at helping 13 for me on Twitter, close Facebook page. 
Patreon, YouTube, where I have those five headlines. Again, new season, that means five headlines are coming back. You can see my pretty face at four in the morning, looking good after those 11 p.m. matches here, uh, at least uh, here on the East Coast. And then for you, it was 8 p.m. there. But most importantly, thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barca. Of course, the Barca.